Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Crouch here with Drew Dinsick. As always, we're going to do all NBA today. Talk Rookie of the Year after Wemby's explosion, the fewest regular season wins market. Look at the NBA slate on Wednesday, and then we'll close out by talking about the Tim Bontemps straw poll uh, mm. on MVP. Bontemps has really cornered um, this part of the market, really carved out a nice uh, niche for himself, uh, having christened the straw poll as his own, uh, which does shape the market a ton. But let's start off, Drew, with Rookie of the Year. Uh, Wemby went insane in Canada. Uh, we are recording on a Tuesday afternoon, so last night. 29 minutes, 27 points, 14 rebounds, 10 blocks. Uh, he is the only rookie in NBA history to register a triple-double with blocks in less than 30 minutes, as you'd expect. And now he's a minus 650 favorite to win Rookie of the Year. Chet Holmgren is plus 500. I know there's been some Brandon Miller chat. He's not winning unless Wemby and Chet both get hurt, like, tomorrow. Uh, do you think this award is done, or do you think that there might be a twist? I think it's done. Uh, I think it should be more like minus 6,500 than minus 650. <laughs> but uh, I I am also coming at this through largely statistical lens, right? Uh, largely all-in-one stats, which is what I use to synthesize team ratings and fair prices for specific matchups. Um, and I don't even need to kind of under, I don't even need to pull the curtain back on the secret sauce behind what I do. What I do is very, very similar, it really borrows a lot of what uh, what Darko is based on. And I was just cruising Darko out of curiosity, just looking at some of the improvements, plus plus minuses, sorting some of the different stats. Do you know Wemby is third of all players in the NBA right now in box deep? That yeah. is truly absurd he is only behind uh you know what is it Kawhi and uh one other player but I, I was i was i fell out of my chair when i saw that he's t- top 14 in all-in-one dpm which is kind of more context-based because it does include on off um and he's doing it all with a relatively light load in terms of minutes played um there were times there was a moment during the offseason in our nba chat where it was like you know, if the MVP race felt a little flat, and we're like, you're like, man, man, maybe this there's there's just such kind of a uh, an opening this year for a surprise candidate. Maybe Wemby could win it at a hundred to one. And I made some small bets there just because I was like, that would be a cool novelty if it happens. If he actually does kind of meet the expectations, he's exceeding them. <laughs> he's doing better than I think people thought he would do, particularly at this stage in his development. He surpassed, um, you know, the career trajectories of LeBron in his, his first uh, or his age 20 season. He's passing 
Um, you know, he's he's gotten to this level faster than Jokic did. He is out. He has blown past uh, um, uh, Giannis at his early stages. Like any other kind of general comparison you could make to players who reached all time great status, he is getting there faster, <laughs> and it is amazing to see. Uh, I really, really don't know what could happen any other outside of injury that would take this out of his hands. And the fact that they've been kind of very, very carefully, you know, you know, managing his uh, usage in his minutes should make it that much more likely he gets there. Um, so this is uh, this is going to go down as an all time rookie campaign. And I think he's going to win this one unanimously. OK, yeah, I think if you're constructing an argument against Wemby, it can only be that. We don't have a ton of polling or voter sentiment uh, on the award and there is a chance, albeit I think a very small one, that people think that the counting stats are just close enough with Chet, that Chet is actually contributing to a team that could be a one seed. Uh, and his, I mean, Chet's advanced stats are incredible as well. He's narrowly edging Wemby and EPM. The only thing where I just think that will fall down is that this award has never been about team success. It's never been mm -hmm. that. And... You know, some people have talked about, I think, before Wemby started playing at center and started playing with Trey Jones in the starting lineup, there was the thought that, you know, I think Zach Lowe said that, you know, this awards just don't go to teams on, you know, who are whatever the Spurs' terrible record was at the time, while Chet is on one of the best stories in the NBA and a team that uh, could get the one seed. I just think ultimately people will default to the phenom, to the guy who has counting stats that are starting to lap Chet. I think Wemby is going to end up at 21, 22 points per game, 10 to 11 rebounds, over three blocks. His efficiency has lifted now that he has teammates who can actually throw him lob passes to dunk. <laughs> and Chet is right now, Chet's averaging 16.8 points per game and seven and a half rebounds and fewer assists than Wemby and fewer blocks. And yes, he's more efficient, but... I mean, if you're giving Chet Rookie of the Year, you're basically awarding someone for having Shea Gilgis Alexander as their teammate. Uh, yeah. And I think that where we're at now, like Kevin O'Connell and Michael Pina, who are both voters on the award, they tweeted last night that, you know, Wemby is on the shortlist for Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. And like, he can't, he cannot win that award. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that because that award does not go to the teams who are. Uh, 11 and 43 and have right now the 24th ranked defense, even if it's yeah. much better with Wemby on the court. But, you know, I don't think it's 100% done uh, just because Chet is so good. But I would be shocked if with health, if Wemby doesn't win, because one, if you divide voters up into those who, you know, value advanced stats and those who don't, my uh, hypothesis would be that, those who don't value advanced stats are going to get wowed by the Wemby phenom hype, the triple-double yeah. blocks dude uh, who's going to take over the league. And then those who do value advanced stats, the gap is, you know, if Chet has a lead in any of them, it's small. And to your point about, you know, some stats like um, Darko, then Wemby is actually winning. So I think it all adds up to Wemby being uh, clearly in pole position. Can I ask you two uh, interesting, fun little side conversation questions? Uh, sure. If the Spurs were winning... Would Wemby be a MVP candidate? I mean, I think he had a stretch where, what was it? It was basically January where he was playing at that type of level on, if you expanded out his minutes restriction out to like per 36, where mm -hmm. you know, he's averaging like 28, 13 and five blocks per 36 or something insane. Uh, I was talking to a mutual friend of ours the other day who said that 
like there's a good chance that Wemby is the best player in the NBA by next season. Yeah, uh, and he's probably not going to be <laughs> an MVP favorite by next season because his teammates are still um, lagging and he's not going to be projected to be a top six seed um, yeah. in the West. But, I mean, he's shown flashes and uh, Thinking Basketball, which is a great podcast and YouTube series by Ben Taylor, Ben Taylor uh, did this video on Wemby about how Wemby has just had the greatest month that a rookie has ever had in NBA history. Uh, and when you see him break it down, it's, it's pretty hard to argue. So, uh, yeah, I'm all in, all in on the Wemby hype. So here's the other fun fun question. Save this one for last on purpose. Uh, if you swapped Wemby and Chet, uh, number one, would the Thunder be better? And number two... Would SGA be their MVP candidate or would it be Wemby? I think it would still be SGA as their MVP candidate, but I do think they would be better. I think Wemby's just better at basketball than Chet Holmgren. <laughs> uh, and I don't think that should be ultra controversial. I mean, that would change what their team is. But ultimately, talent reigns and Wemby's just at a different talent level. And I think so much as well of Wemby's stats are tanked because of how Popovich screwed him around the first couple of months yeah. of the season where playing point Jeremy Sohan uh, and Wemby had like 50% true shooting when Trey Jones is off the floor because no one knows, no one can get it to him in his spots. Like he's just like this giant guy out there and now there is actually some order to his possessions. He has 10 dunks or whatever against Atlanta. He is... By defensive EPM, guys who have played 40 or more games, he's the second best player in the league uh, on defense. So we've had all that up. Uh, and yeah, I think this should be a wrap. Um, well, I give a, I give a special shout out to Popovich. Yeah. If he hadn't done that, we wouldn't have given us the on ramp at plus money prices. So thank you, Mr. Popovich. Yes. No, that, that, uh, that was a gift. And look, there was a time when I thought that Chet was the rightful favorite for the award back when it really seemed like Pop just wasn't yeah. going to play with point guard yeah. and Wemby was going to get all this yeah. true shooting stuff on sure. a 12-win team. But as soon as that flipped, as soon as they got Trey Jones in, and also not just Trey Jones, as soon as just his teammates learned how to play with him and how unique yeah. it is. And Taylor does a really good job in the video of being like, teammates just realized that uh, he's unlike any other player in NBA history where you don't even need to be like a good lob passer. You don't even need to be a technically like a lob passer. You just throw the ball in his general vicinity and he dunks. Uh, and now that his teammates are kind of understanding that, it does it does kind of seem all over. All right, next market, which the Spurs also feature in, and the reason they feature in it is why this isn't, why Wemby isn't minus 10,000, uh, and that is the fewest regular season wins market. The Pistons are your favorite at minus 150. They have eight wins. The Wizards are plus 280 with nine wins. The Spurs are plus 600 with 11 wins. The Hornets are eight to one with 12 wins. And then the Blazers are, uh, I still can't necessarily read American odds cleanly when it gets to that amount. I believe that's 700 to one. Uh, and they have 15 wins, which is about right. Uh, do you have any read on this market? I have a small bet on the um, Hornets from a couple of weeks ago that really could have used to not heartfelt wins for them and really could use more dumping at the deadline guys um but uh yeah no i think uh any anyone who was with me on hornets uh fewest wins got in at 50 to 1 i think it's probably gonna die in the vine um the bottom of the nba is really kind of interesting to talk about i think <laughs> okay because because i don't think it's sh like it like the current win loss i don't think 
is the correct in any way, like team strength. Okay. Right. And in and there's been uh, you know, a team like that that is, you know, currently uh your favorite here is the Pistons because they have the fewest wins. Is what four to six point favorites right now over the Wizards in a head to head? Just because they're playing much better uh, in 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 Detroit, I would say they're like four and a half ish. Like it, it's they would be meaningful favorites, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, is, they just added competent players as well. Like Quinton Grimes yeah. is good. Yeah. Uh, Simone yeah. Fantecchio was starting for a team that was charging right. towards the playoffs. Um, yes. like they have some real players. Yes, they have real players. They have the players that you, they were expecting to make steps forward this year have finally started to make them. Um, I thought, you know, I, I mean, I was ready to basically throw Jaden Ivey in as a you know all-time bust. It's not going to happen, buddy. He's playing better. Um, like, you know, they it just in general, um, you know, some of these players that it, you had relatively little uh, hope for uh, are starting to figure it out. And that's because they have good coach and, uh, you know, and, and they're coming along. Um, I would say that, um, you know, the likelihood that the people who are kind of in place of power now elect to tack hard into tanking again, I think is a little bit low. Uh, I think they're going to try to get this young crew a little bit of, you know, kind of some feeling about how to play winning basketball to try to get a better start on, you know, kind of building a winning culture into next season and beyond. Um, the Pistons are not a team that I think is really going to continue to mire themselves in a process like, uh, you know, losing, you know, framework. Uh, and so I think they climb out of this hole. Uh, and I've thought that for a while, uh, which is why I was swinging away on, on like the likes of the Hornets. Um, but uh, if I had to have a bet now, it's, it's it's certainly the Wizards. The Wizards are very clearly in the we are tanking now stage. It seems like there is a green light from everybody important who is involved uh, that this team is not going to be trying to win basketball games down the stretch here. And, uh, you know, they the interesting question of what do you do with Jordan Poole um, kind of you know, it's sort of the focus here. Like at some point, do you just pull the plug on him for this season and just try to reset next year and salvage anything there? Um, you know, is there anything salvageable there? Like what exactly is going on with him that, uh, you know, he has the uh, the largest negative year over year DPM of any player I've ever tracked. Uh, I, I kind of can't believe how big his number is. It's so big. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's tough for me to say that, uh, uh, that they're going to be able to find anything in terms of winning form down the stretch, even though I like Denny Abdija. Uh, and uh, I think in general, you're going to get some warm spots from some of the vets who you know are going to want contracts on other teams next year. So uh, from just a team framework, a team building standpoint, I think the Wizards are the most likely to kind of pull a plug on the season. Um, and I think ultimately, uh, you know, the... Pistons are going to be a team that I think the good play, the good the good teams that are resting players in preparation for the playoffs uh, might find themselves on the you know on the wrong side of the win loss column against the Pistons in the month of March and April. In my opinion. Yep. No, I agree. I think the Wizards would be my bet as well. They're now giving Bilal Kulabali big minutes, uh, which is good if you're on plus two eighty for them to have the worst record with Pool. I know it's been covered, but it is stunning his fall from grace, which kind of started in the playoffs when the Warriors won the title. But earlier that season, 21-22, when he finished uh, fourth in most improved player, there's like a material stretch after the All-Star break when uh, I think Curry was hurt and they kind of turned the keys over to Poole to run the offense. And Poole was like 25-5 and on like 65% true shooting. 
Like, it was insane. Like, I thought this guy was an outlier good offensive player, uh, and now he's just completely fallen apart. He's always been bad on defense, but his offense collapsing is is bizarre. I, I don't know. I guess just like the, the punch is still being felt, and he just fell off a cliff as a player, and yeah. now he's just lost all of his confidence. But, I mean, this guy was going to be like the next great kind of sixth man type offensive player. And he was a, he's always been a good passer as well. Uh, and his range um, free throw shoot, like he was in a special offensive player. Uh, and now he's just nothing. Like he's just sad. He's like negative 2.7 PM. It's uh, mm-hmm. a mess. And I do think the wizards now they are worse than the Pistons, just given that the Pistons have, they just have a range of kind of competent players. Like people, People don't like like Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham is still a net positive to a team, I think, yeah. at this point. Um, Stewart, Duran, um, I know they've had injuries, but, but adding Fontecchio. Uh, we'll talk about him in the next segment, but you know, Jaden Ivey's true shooting percentage is right there with Tyrese Maxey's. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Which is why I don't think Maxey's just going to walk the most improved yeah. player. Um, but Ivey's taken leaps. So, yeah, I do think... That uh, that they will ultimately get past the Wizards, and you can't feel amazing about it because it's the Pistons. But I do think they are the better team, and they have the slightly. Let me uh, let me let me pivot the question. And I know this isn't a market, so sorry if you're only listening to this for betting content. But if the question was framed differently, and it was who will win the fewest games between now and the end of the regular season, who would be your answer? It's Charlotte, right? I need to look at their schedule. Mm. But, I mean, Charlotte. Have They're in the, the discussion for sure. Yeah. yeah, Charlotte and Washington, I would think. Wait, yeah. do you have Portland to throw out? Portland have a really tough schedule, and they are yeah are terrible. Yeah. Um, I also don't know. Yeah, some of their guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Portland is a, is is up there for me. Um, and then the surprise teams would be the Grizzlies and the Raptors. Um, sure. I don't really know what the plans are there. <laughs> right yeah at what point do you literally just put marcus mert on the shelf for the season at what point do you put bane and jjj on the shelf for the season because you're expecting to you know rally hard next year and make a run at it so um you know grizzlies are, are worth watching how they manage their roster roster and tank mode and then the raptors because their first round pick next year is only top six protected <laughs> Which means that uh, there's a little bit of an incentive to work their way into being able to make that pick instead of uh, sending it to whoever they traded Jakob Pertl to. Was that the, would that go to the Spurs then, I guess? Yeah, bizarre trade. Still don't know what happened there. Uh, in terms of top six right now, the Raptors have the uh, seventh worst record, but they are only one win um, in front of Memphis at the moment. It's pretty hard for the Raptors to tank all the the rest of the way to have the least wins in basketball, but um, they haven't been good. I thought they were going to be better after those trades, um, and they just they just haven't been. You know, the Pistons uh, like one, well, maybe two really good games away from having the twenty sixth best net rating in basketball. Yeah. Um, they're right there, bunch with Portland, San Antonio, the Wizards. Uh, the Hornets are their own uh, messy nest in thirtieth at negative eleven point five. But uh, but yeah, the Pistons are, are uh, on the up. Feel good about yeah. them. Yeah, of the bad teams, that's the team you don't want to play. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's we'll see what Wemby does the <laughs> second half of the season. He might. Fair uh, Fair they uh, they might have another gear. All right, the countdown to spring training is on. So for those looking to get a head start on the upcoming MLB season, grab your Roto World Baseball Draft Guide. It's loaded with comprehensive 
positional rankings, projections, and player profiles to ensure your draft is a success. Visit NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use code BASEBALL24 to get 10% off at checkout. Doors take us to summers away or winter adventures and afternoon getaways. Your dedicated Fidelity Advisor can help you open those doors by working with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Because doors were meant to be opened. Visit fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimum supply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com. At the theater, more than the movies come to life. Movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app. Ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. All right, Valentine's Day NBA, uh, a massive mm. slate of games, um, some good ones on the docket. Uh, Knicks at Orlando, Clippers at Golden State, nationally televised. Uh, Bulls, yeah. Cavs also nationally televised. That might not be so good. Sacramento at Denver uh, with Jamal Murray and KCP likely missing. Um, what's on your uh, ticket for tomorrow? Yeah, so we're only starting to see a couple of these uh, openers pop. Um, the only lines that I do not have in front of me, I had nothing yet for Indiana, Toronto, nothing for Detroit, Phoenix, waiting on Sacramento, Denver, which is the one that I am the most excited about. Uh, but uh, yeah, so, you know, uh, spoiler alert, I love. Uh, well, you love, uh, I think, the Kings so much um, that you just left the chat. But uh the one that's most interesting to me is the 76ers uh, home to Miami. Miami's on a back-to-back. Um, like I said, we're recording Tuesday night, so they're about to play Milwaukee, and then they go on the road to Philadelphia uh, where Jimmy Butler is out for personal reasons. Terry Rozier is out as well. Uh, and the Sixers, who are effectively, well, close to full strength outside of Embiid and Melton, Sixers are only four and a half point favorites in that game at the moment against the decimated Heat team that is on a road back to back. And I think that kind of shows you where the Sixers team is at at the moment. Yeah, I think that's very, very fair commentary. Um, the uh, In general, uh, the vibe you get if you watched uh, much of the NBA the last two nights, uh, there are a lot of players who are very clearly looking at the All Star break as uh, an opportunity to regroup. Um, it feels like the uh, fact that they have moved this back so far ha- is starting to really kind of accrue meaningful, um, you know, issues with some of these players, health, availability, motivation, all of the above. Um, that's one reason I like uh, the Nuggets so much against the Kings, not just because we saw a pretty lackluster effort from the Nuggets against the uh, the, the um, 
the Bucks, but Kings coming into this one with like absolutely on fumes. Um, and so that one is uh, uh, that one's going to be circled for me. I would I would lay up to seven with uh, Denver in that game. Uh, wow, we'll even without Murray and KCP. Yeah, I think I think that one's going to be a walk. I think that one's going to be a walkover personally. Um, yeah, the uh, the uh, the the Kings All Star break starts two days early, guys. Um, the uh, the rest of the contests are pretty equal uh, in terms of just rest and uh, and motivation, actually. Uh, and the ones that I think are are worth circling for just understanding where some of these teams are uh, the, the top power rated game from uh, just an entertainment standpoint for me is going to be Clippers warriors. Uh, very, very interested to see how this Clippers team matches up against this iteration of the warriors. Um, the Clippers uh, last night, uh, of course, kind of threw up the white flag against the, um, the Timberwolves. I did not see that coming. Uh, that was a little bit surprising and I would be, I, I don't expect them to do that twice, even though they're now on the road against Curry and the warriors uh, warriors. Are starting to figure some things out, but still, I think are a little bit overrated. But they're being priced in the market, so uh, that's the one that I'm by far the most excited to watch. You mentioned Miami Philly and the ramifications of that one. That one's going to be good. Um, but uh, my number two game would be uh, the Knicks versus the Magic. The Magic are fascinating, man. Uh, yep. They are. They have the capability of being just such a superiorly dynamic defensive team the way that they're closing these games out um when they move uh paolo to the two and suggs is playing the one uh and then you have franz isaac and wendell carter jr out there it is like i don't know what the answers are to that. i don't think there are answers to that that's like such a phenomenal defensive five uh that in crunch time they should be just truly elite uh, defensively, and I think um, they're going up against the Knicks team that uh, is t- probably the team that needs the break the most. Uh, the absence of Julius Randle has trickled down to the rest of the Knicks in terms of roles, responsibilities, effort um, on both sides of the ball. Um, and you know, the Ananobi injury definitely disrupted what was turning into a really special uh, defensive unit there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how these teams match up in particular. And, uh, I would not kind of rule out that this is potentially your three, six preview. I think the thing with the Knicks and it got a little bit lost in the wash when they kept on just accumulating these wins while they were so banged up, but like this team just shouldn't be that good without Ananobi and Randall and Robinson. And to me, the most baffling line of the NBA season was when the Knicks, when they played the Lakers on national TV about a week ago, full strength Lakers, Knicks missing, you know, everyone except for, I think, Brunson, uh, DiVincenzo, Hart, uh, and Hart and Stein. And the Knicks were two and a half point favorites in that game. And I think it's just difficult to price teams that have had just a rash of injuries and you just haven't seen the iteration of that team. Uh, and look, we haven't really seen this Knicks team with their new guys that much, but um, the Magic on a back-to-back uh, is detrimental for them, obviously, but I think this Magic team is just better than this Knicks team um, as the Knicks are presently constructed. Obviously, that changes a lot when Ananobi, Randall, uh, and Robinson come back, but uh, but I'm with you yeah. there. There is some potential. I think the Magic are going to win that division now so, over too. the Heat, um, just given that... Uh, I think the Magic are up against it for the tiebreak, but the Heat are just so banged up uh, and they just haven't been able to get their offense right all season. Yeah. Uh, another fun uh, wrinkle for tomorrow. Um, 
We got a home and home uh, with the uh, the Nets and the Celtics. Right. Uh, they're they're playing in Brooklyn uh, on uh, Tuesday. They're playing in Boston on uh, um, on Wednesday. And uh, what interests me about that game is the total. Uh, I'm on the under tonight at 227 and a half, but you know what I like even more? Under 228 tomorrow. <laughs> this one, this one is going to be tough uh, to see these two teams come back at each other uh, after playing the night prior, uh, this close to the All Star break, and see like truly efficient and free flowing offense that looks like that game might be an absolute slog. Uh, so yeah, the I think it, just in general, we're in for uh, an underful Wednesday. Okay, go. What a magnificent <laughs> home and home. Uh, Nets, Celtics, uh, blockbusters. All right, Thursday night is another chance to watch a new chapter in college basketball history when Caitlin Clark chases down the all time NCAA scoring record when Iowa hosts Michigan. Coverage of the Big Ten matchup starts at 7 30 Eastern and it is exclusively on Peacock. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Pick me! Pick me! Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. All right, the Tim Bontemps straw poll on MVP uh, was released Tuesday morning. I don't think the order will be that surprising to people, but perhaps the distribution of votes will be. Uh, Nikola Jokic had 69 first-place votes uh, and kind of lapped the field. He was on every single ballot. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 24 first-place votes, uh, and he was on 99 of the 100 ballots. Giannis third with two first-place votes, distant third naturally, and then Luca a distant fourth beyond Giannis uh, with three first-place votes, um, but he was only third on 17 ballots, or maybe the better way to frame is that he was top three on 23 ballots and Giannis was top three on 56 ballots, uh, and then Kawhi Leonard, Jason Tatum after that. I don't think they're going to be winning MVP. Uh, so this was taken from, uh, Bontemps said, from Friday night to Sunday night, so I think that is material because Luca laying a beat down on Shea was on mm-hmm. Saturday. Shea then bouncing back with a monster game the next day uh, against the Kings. Um, probably wouldn't have been that included in this. And then definitely not included in this was Giannis having perhaps his biggest MVP statement game of the season uh, in destroying Jokic and the Nuggets uh, on Monday night, about a week after he laid waste to Dallas as well. Now there were some bad losses sandwiched between those two games, but mm-hmm. uh what do you make of the market now? Oh man, this is a little choose your own adventure. Honestly, like you can kind of can kind of read into this. I think anything you want to read into positively about this not being done. This you know, the market and the market is kind of cooled a little bit as well, which I think is right. 
you know, that we were getting to the point where any, you know, any more adjustments, any more momentum for, um, you know, for Jokic in this market was going to be, you know, tough to anyone to catch him. Um, and he's, you know, I think he's coming back down a little, which is correct. Uh, and if you have a Shea ticket at an absurd number, uh, the, the path is there. Get, go get the one seed. <laughs> like Clippers aren't running away with it, apparently, after what we saw last night. The Timberwolves are catchable, uh, and the Nuggets certainly aren't playing very good ball right now, although, they, you know, kind of to your, what was you, you know, the drum you've been beating, which is correct. Like, you know, if the Nuggets are going to play well, Jokic is going to have to step up his particular counting stats to do it in the absence of some of the support here. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think ultimately it is, um, uh, there is a path to victory for both SGA and Giannis. I think everybody else you can pretty much put a line through. Um, of course, there is still a lot of basketball left to be played, um, but I don't think Doncic and the, the Mavs are getting there, and I think Kawhi and and everyone below him uh, has too much ground to make up. The fact that there is a pretty clear entrenching here of Giannis at three is a good thing for him, I think, in being able to run down Jokic. Um, I think they absolutely must have the two seed. He has to get them there, which, by the way, he is uh, not really getting much from anyone else on that team right now in terms of contributions. Um, and uh, I think ultimately, uh, you know, if he puts together one month of, you know, of basketball that looks like what you saw from Embiid in January, for instance, where it's like, this guy is so clearly the best player in the NBA right now. The fact that he's already there in the top three in everyone's mind I think is enough that he can run down Jokic. Um, and so I guess that's the the two things to watch are just overall, what is he doing on a night-by-night -night basis? Are people talking about him as the best player of the NBA in the month of March? Uh, and then for for SGA, it is literally, are the Thunder going to be able to uh, run away with the one seed? Um, if neither of those things happen, it'll be Jokic, and then it'll be kind of by default, I suppose. Um, but uh, if you had to submit your ballot uh, at you know right now, effectively, you know for at the All Star break, do you think it would be that same order, one, two, three? I think so. And I was a little surprised that Yo I thought Jokic would win um, the straw poll and do it relatively comfortably. I didn't think the gap would necessarily be this big, though. I think it does make sense that everyone is still caught up in this kind of uh, post-Embiid vacuum and Jokic is just the obvious candidate uh, because everyone thinks he's the best player uh, and he's with he's neck and neck with all these guys in terms of record, slightly behind Shea, slightly in front of Giannis. Luka is a step behind. Uh, I just don't think he's having a great season uh, by his standards. This is his worst season by APM in five years. The Nuggets have a plus nine net rating when he's on the court, which by Jokic standards, I mean, there was plus 12 and a half last season. And he took the last month of the season off effectively. Uh, and he just has nights where he's just not like super invested, it seems like. Uh, and I just, I, I kind of find it hard to believe that we're just going to go through the rest of the season and the Nuggets get a three seed or something. And we're just going to hand MVP to Jokic when, uh, when Shaquille just Alexander with the second best teammate who is a second year player in Jalen Williams and a third best teammate who is a rookie uh, in Chet Holmgren and is leading 
the Thunder to, you know, potentially a one seed um, and very likely to be bunched up, you know, around the one seed uh, and has an EPM that is, is lapping Jokic and lapping the entire league outside of Embiid. I would just expect, I'm kind of projecting that there will be a swell of momentum for SGA and the market right now, which has Jokic minus 155, SGA plus 260, Giannis plus 650, and then Doncic at 12 to 1. Like those odds don't represent my idea that if SGA finishes above Denver in the standings, which is close to a coin flip, uh, I just I don't see how you can give Jokic MVP over him. Now, there is a chance that, uh, and this is the difficult thing to bake in, Like I think there was always going to be an arbitrary bump for Jokic in the same way that there was an arbitrary kind of demotion for him last year because people didn't want to give him three in a row when he hadn't made the finals yet. I think because of how bad people feel about how that all went down and how he kind <laughs> of uh, indirectly shoved it in their face by winning um, the finals and kind of answering every single question about him in the best way possible. I do think there will be something of an overcorrection. And also with that comes just the sentiment that he is the best player uh, and that counts in this award. But and maybe that is enough to just carry him home if he's close enough. But if he has a, do you think if he has a worse record than SGA that he's going to beat SGA for MVP? No, <laughs> I don't think he will. Uh, I mean that the the margins are narrow, uh, and uh, you know the. Um, I guess here's the thing: this straw poll has a tendency to echo within the market. Do you agree? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you think and about two years ago, it completely yeah. flipped the market on its head yeah. between Embiid and Jokic. And what do you read with what you're seeing today with betting activity? It's it's not really it's not really anyone's like, oh, this is a ton. Like it's much more of a oh, okay, well, we got three, we got three runners. That's yeah. the way I see it, at least. Uh, and uh, if you have strong disagreement that Giannis should be seven twenty, you think he should be closer to four hundred. I won't disagree with you. If you think uh, SGA should be closer to, you know, plus 180 instead of plus 280, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think uh, that right now I would make uh, Jokic closer to um, something like a pick em. Uh I So I think minus 150 is a little bit of a bad price. Uh, and uh, I would distribute a little bit more win equity for both SGA and Giannis with, again, kind of the caveats that they have more to do, right? SGA, I mean... Like even if if it's a if it's a one or two game margin between OKC and Denver and they're one two, then hmm, that's splitting hairs a little bit, and it's probably going to go to Jokic because because of the legacy, because of the anchoring. Um, but if you know if 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 the Thunder are like resting players down the stretch because they've got the one locked, then that's probably it. <laughs> He's going to get it, and uh, you should prepare yourself for that if you have. All of your equity in uh, Jokic just uh, play a little defense. I think. Yep, I agree. Uh, I think a couple other things. So Giannis, in terms of what his path is, I think he absolutely he needs the two seed. If he doesn't have the two seed, I think he's pretty close to dust. He probably needs the Wolves or the Clippers to get the one seed. Well, yeah, I think he definitely needs the Wolves or the Clippers to get the one seed. And ideally, they're your top two seeds. He also plays a ton of marquee games in March, Giannis does, where he sure. has this stretch where he plays like 
the Celtics on national TV and then he plays yeah. the Thunder uh, and then it's the Lakers on national TV the game after that and it's right in the middle of March and he needs to really go off in those games. I mean, right now, statistically, he has a case that can win. It's just that everyone views the Bucs as this kind of disaster show and so you can't give him MVP 0% to win if the vote was held today. But if they do go on a surge, which they should be fully capable of given they have a ton of talent <laughs> and Giannis is seen as kind of dragging this team. Giannis has a plus 14 and a half on off this season. The team is no good. It's been a terrible team and he's single-handedly dragged them to 34 and 19 or whatever their record is. Mm -hmm. And I think that if they do finish hot and he balls out in these marquee matchups, particularly the one uh, home to the Thunder in March, then I think that he can win and he has a path Doncic is interesting because you know he's the kind of the buzzy candidate at the moment, and a lot of people have brought up that you know he averages more points, rebounds, and assists than Shea Gilgis Alexander. So how can he not be a candidate? And it's like, well, his team is way worse than Shea's team, yeah. and Luca has the perceived best teammate across the two teams, right. and Luca's defense is way worse. His efficiency. Uh, is worse and I think all of that is enough to yeah. uh, clearly give Shea the advantage now if the Thunder were to slide and Jokic coasts and the Thunder are your three and your four seed and the Mavericks get to five and the Bucks keep on spiraling a bit I think Doncic can absolutely win MVP in that scenario but mm -hmm. a lot of dominoes that need to fall in his favor so yeah. I was close to putting a line through Doncic a couple of weeks ago I think the way that things have unfolded for two months now, he's averaged like 37 points per game. Like, can't put a line through him. Um, he's yeah. insane. But his advanced stats are always like the team is not even that positive when he's on the court um, mm -hmm. because the net rating is on off. is like minuscule compared to these other guys, which infects all his advanced stats. So he has a lot of heavy lifting to do. I think he could get there, but I th I think he's yeah he he particular. It's really hard for him to win a head to head matchup with Shea, just given that because he's got. Kyrie and no one thinks of Jalen Williams or Chet yeah. in the same um, neighborhood. Well, I mean, neighborhood's a bit rough, but I don't think they're as good as Kyrie. Mm -hmm. And the Thunder are just on a better team uh, and all the intangibles go to Shea. Yeah. Shea's also played six more games than him this year, uh, which is something people always look at, you know, availability being an important factor. Um, I don't think he's at risk of missing qualification. He's missed eight games oh. so far this season. Yeah. Um, be, it, it would be a fluky thing for him to have an injury that would make him miss enough time to, uh, to not qualify. But you gotta, you gotta have, you gotta think about that. Um, I personally think if he's seven or eight, which is where I have the Mavs pointing right now, um, then you put a line. Yeah, you, can't win. you can't yeah. win from the point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. so I, yeah. yeah, a lot of, a lot needs to go right for Doncic, but I, I do think there is a kind of Westbrookian path for him but he needs sure. Shay uh and Jokic to to fall off so okay. um in the end I think Giannis's price now is is probably about fair just because he has so much of the Bucks stench to overturn um so plus 650 I think that I would probably rather back that than lay it particularly after the win over Denver but to me like my big opinion in this market uh and I'm willing to die on this hill uh and have positioned myself on said hill accordingly the past week or so but I think Shea should be the favorite in this market. Uh, Whoa. Maybe that's not baking in enough the that arbitrary bump I was talking about for Jokic, but I think we're just going to get to the end of the season and people are just going to look into this more as opposed to be just wowed by the mystique of Jokic. Uh, and there are a lot of other factors that work in Shea's favor in terms of him being, you know, the new 
you know, Derek Rose 2010-11 type of candidate against the, you know, already two-time winner, made man who's not having a top three season in his career. Uh, and I so I think I, that is my sense of how this is going to go. Thunder also have an easier schedule than the Nuggets down the stretch. They're in front of the Nuggets in the standings right now. I think Gordon Haywood is going to help them a ton. Um, <laughs> of course, I think he's just better at basketball than Josh Giddy at this point, and he gives them a lot more flexibility. The Thunder go out all like every night in regular season games. The Nuggets don't. The Nuggets just randomly, oh, we're down 30 to the Bucks. All right, whatever. That I know the Thunder had a bad loss to the Mavericks, but generally they take the regular season seriously much more so than the Nuggets have. Uh, and I think all that, yeah, I am uh, willing to die on the Shea Hill. Okay. Um, let's put a pin in this and come back to it to talk about the Thunder. Because if you're feeling that way about the Thunder broadly, there's some big prices out there for Midwest, for the Northwest right now, uh, yeah. for <laughs> just in general. Um, there may be a, a synthetic way to hold Shea uh, at about this price for MVP and then also yeah. capture some other stuff. So, um, yeah that uh that's an interesting concept but yeah i, I would have made it so yeah just you know if i was if i was making a book i would have done like 45 35 20 right yep. now between uh Jokic, uh shea and uh, uh and Giannis. but uh yeah shea's favorite is pretty high, pretty pretty uh, pretty fun hot take yeah yeah no aggressive take i think but regardless of whether you think he's favorite or not it kind of doesn't even matter in terms of what you can actually kind of enact uh in the market and what i am very confident in is that Shea and Jokic should be more closely bunched together than minus 155 plus 260. Like yeah, that, that I am very confident. Yeah, as, as to whether <laughs> Shea should actually be the favorite, um, that like I do believe that, but that is certainly aggressive relative to market. But it's like it doesn't really matter. Like if so long as you believe that they should be more bunched together and that Shea is um, you know, better shorter than plus two sixty fair, then that's all that really matters. Um so okay. go thunder. All right, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those of you watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel, listening to us in podcast form. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. And also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. From Jake Croucher and Drew Dinsick, we'll see you soon.